0: This is KUT. I'm Jennifer Staten. Insomnia, memory loss, flashbacks, hypervigilance, denial, avoidance. These are some of the ways we respond individually and collectively to trauma when an extremely distressing event or circumstance activates our threat detection system. The brain will then often pack away that trauma until it gets triggered. The recent police killings of black people, the subsequent protests and actions such as removing Confederate statues are highlighting the deep trauma of racism and calling upon us to confront and dismantle it. So how to start doing that? Central Texas neuropsychotherapist Janice Rockman believes we need to understand both the biological response to the trauma of racism and the psychology of the system that has supported and sustained it.
1: We were all born into this system. Rather, we were um, recipients of the oppression primarily, or we were the oppressors primarily, or if we were not even present during some of those specific historical events. What happens is oftentimes um, patterns of, of shame, patterns of guilt, patterns of violence, patterns of power and control, those things are passed down. So, who we are is in part biological, it's psychological, and it's social. The effects of Um, systematic oppression, racism, colonization around the globe. They have affected everyone. We have all collectively been traumatized. (laughs) And so as a system, as humanity, I think that we have to all sort of come together to not only fix it, but to deal so that we can heal.
0: How does all of that then affect conversations that people are trying to have about race and racism?
1: instead of trying to curate or micromanage other people's experience or, or just going completely silent because silence can be harmful and reabusive as well, it's okay to actually sit down and have a dialogue and to actually listen and to speak, to understand, not to be understood. And then if a person doesn't have any, as I call them, like empathy reps or neural reps to make a neural connection to what you're talking about, There's going to be some distance there. and There's going to be some disconnection. But if we could be patient with that process, I think as long as we are working together for proactive change and not just change, but consequences and accountability. And then also to reexamine, because I've heard so many people, Jennifer, say the system isn't working. I think we need to reexamine the fairy tale that we have in our minds of how the system was set up and really be able to acknowledge that it was not set up to be uh, shared, fair or equal for all parties involved at that time. However, it doesn't mean that we have to keep operating from that same foundation. We could acknowledge that maybe it is working (laughs) because it was set up to be unfair. However, how do we now reestablish and redefine what that looks like? When you're in your trauma brain, you're talking about highly inflammatory and sensitive content, your natural innate organic responses is is going to want to be defensive, but also to be illogical. So give yourself some time to breathe, to listen to what the other person is saying. If you have to write a couple things down on a sticky note to keep yourself grounded in the moment and try and tackle one point at a time. Because if you just throw the whole thing at one person back and forth, then no one's being heard. And all that's happening is, is walls of defense are being erected. So then still connection gets lost. The goal is connection.
0: The description of our country is sort of a, a family system, if you will. Yeah. To change a system like that or to improve a system like that, don't you need all the parts cooperating and being willing to change the dynamic to move towards healing?
1: Thankfully, no, we don't need all of the, the members of that family to be on the same page. What typically happens in systems work though is that we do need enough people that are allying one piece or one segment at a time have done work with um, survivors of um, domestic violence or um, other kinds of abuses of power and abuse whether it's economic abuse or sexual abuse or physical abuse whatever it is abuse is never about that actual thing that that's being abused it's never about money it's never about sex it's never about um, physical strength. It's always about power and control. So when we're doing family systems work and we want to start changing patterns and cycles of abuse, one of the things we need to do is take responsibility and move from blame shifting. Because if we blame, 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 what it does is it evokes so much shame in the person that is the abuser or that has been um, the primary oppressor that they're going to go into denial and defense. I mean, like until the very end. So what we wanna talk more about is how can we actually change the system so that it's no longer tolerated and permitted? What kind of accountability, boundaries, and actions do we need to take so that people that are acting out these kinds of abuses of power know that they cannot continue in the same way without some sort of recourse? And then as long as we have enough allied people thinking, going in the same direction, then we can actually start to change the culture of that family. And what happens is the old system, the old culture, and the old um, actions that used to get a pass, they begin to die out because it's outnumbered. And so systematic change with tangible results starts to happen.
0: When you're talking about blame, how can people who are not willing to see a different point of view, who are racist, how can that be done effectively and avoid the, the, Lame cycle.
1: This might be a radical statement, so here we go. I really believe that racism itself is just a coping mechanism for fear, because I believe at the root of everything we do in life, every action, every reaction, every response is either fear or love, and it's a fear of loss, of power, and control. So if we can get to what that person is afraid of, and we can talk to them about it from that perspective as a human being and let our own defenses down, I've had grown men sit across and just weep because they feel so much shame, but they don't know what to do with it. So oftentimes we're raised with these ideas of this is how you keep power and control. And so when they see somebody that looks a certain way, that threat detection system is triggered. That's how we begin to heal it. We begin to heal the brain and we begin to heal what that person fears the most. And that takes a whole lot of patience, wisdom and understanding. But if you can show them enough of that, oftentimes they're willing to open up and talk about it. Just like any recovery process, that person has to want to recover. But more often than not, Jen, I see that more people more often than not want to recover, even as it relates to race and racism.
0: Janice Rockman is a neuropsychotherapist in private practice here in Central Texas. Janice, thank you for your time and discussion today.
1: Thank you, Jennifer.